Hello everyone and welcome back to Not Your Average TV Junkie Podcast. I am super excited to be doing one of my classic four-segment series episodes. I do have like a small possible fifth segment that's just like me talking about a couple of movie musicals and like movies is hopefully going to be quick so we're just going to pretend it's four segments but it may or may not end up being like five but I will try and talk fast. Just an overview for this episode. I'm going to be talking about ways to celebrate the holidays, not being able to actually be fully in person with your extended family due to COVID, as we all know. I will be reviewing the first season of The Morning Show. I will be talking about my Spotify wrapped, and I will be talking about this kind of funny One Tree Hill related article that I found. I will link the article in the description and I will talk more about it once I get to that segment but I just thought it would be fun for me to like talk about this article because I really enjoyed reading it and thought I should share. Anyways we are going to be starting with ways to celebrate the holidays socially distanced and and as safe as possible. Funny story behind this actually I am in a service leadership admissions class and I had to make some sort of video is like a kind of a mini service project thing. We make these videos that help uh, go out to an organization that employs people with special needs and all this super great organization. I'm really happy and glad to help. But I was like, what on earth am I going to talk about? And the video has to be around 10 minutes long. And I was like, it was right before Thanksgiving. I know it's now past Thanksgiving, but we are still before Christmas. So all of this still works. I was like, okay, I'll talk about like socially distanced holiday. And I was like, how on earth am I going to talk about this for 10 minutes? Then I was like, Ava, you can talk about an episode of Dancing with the Stars for 40 minutes. You can drag this out for 10 minutes. Like, honestly, I love to talk. So I'm sure I'm sure I can do this. And it ended up being great and dandy and I did it. But I actually think I came up with some pretty good ideas. So I thought I would share them with you all because the podcast kind of inspired my thinking for this video. So the first thing I have is to Zoom or FaceTime or Google Meet or whatever you may use with your family before or during dinner. Now, my extended family, some of it is where I live, but um, others are on the other side of the country in another time zone. So working it out where we would both be eating dinner at the same time could actually like be a little problematic. It might not be as feasible as you know you would think. So I don't know if that's you need to necessarily FaceTime or Zoom whatever during dinner, but just that day, Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, whatever holiday you celebrate, it doesn't matter. You just, just seeing your family face-to-face and as face-to-face as you possibly can. Obviously, it's not the same to be talking to your family over a screen, like obviously, but I think it would still be nice to be able to be with the people you normally would be with and just get to get to speak with them and see them and if you can coordinate it where you all eat uh, Christmas dinner or whatever together I think that would be super awesome. If your family lives in town you could drop off some extra food to that family to the elderly who don't want to be around everybody to someone who's not such a great cook maybe a college student. Obviously you're gonna have to be careful when preparing this wear a mask take extra precautions obviously make sure you yourself are not sick as you're cooking this food but just um, spreading that. I mean, normally my family makes a bunch of food for Christmas Eve and we have about 20 people. Well, it's only going to be the three of us this year, the three of us who live here. So we're not going to make giant feast for three people, but we could still um, deliver some extra food to my grandpa 
or anybody else who lives nearby who, like I said, is elderly or maybe, like I said, a college student who doesn't really cook for themselves, stuff like that. I think it would just obviously be a really nice gesture, but it would also be a way to bring people together safely. Even just if you don't even see the person, you could leave the meal on their doorstep and be like, text them, be like, hey, left the meal. And then you leave and they pick it up, you know, so you have that uh, separation, but you still kind of feel like you're a family. Making family meals like you would if you were all together. So say every year your grandma brings pumpkin pie and your grandma obviously doesn't want to come and see the whole family because of COVID. So you're like, okay, you text grandma, hey, can I have that pumpkin pie recipe? And you make the pumpkin pie recipe because it's her, it's still her recipe. And obviously it's not the same. All this comes with a huge caveat that this all sucks and it's not the same. And I'm not saying that if you do these things, it's going to feel normal. It's going to be weird. It's probably going to suck that everything is so messed up, especially during the holiday season. But these are just little things you can do to help yourself feel closer to your family and just help the holiday season feel a little bit more normal. But I think that would be a great idea if you normally eat mac and cheese or green bean casserole or whatever. If you get those recipes from the various family members that usually bring them and you make that food for yourself, probably obviously in smaller portions. You don't need an entire feast for just you, yourself, or your small immediate family. Or if you do have a crap ton of food, spread it out, like I said, give it to your extended family, just socially distanced and as safe as possible. But I think that that, just having that food, I know food is a big, uh, like, family connector and usually big family meals bring families together a lot. So having that as much as possible, I think, would be really nice. Keep your, keep your normal traditions. That's honestly something I think is going to be really important It's acting like this season is normal as much as possible is going to bring that sense of normalcy instead of being like, well, we're doomed. This is going to feel bad. Like everything's, everything's ruined. Like we're doomed. I think that if you go in with that mentality of like, it's not even going to feel like Christmas, this sucks. It is, it's going to suck. But if you, if you carry on with as much of a sense of normalcy as you can without obviously being unsafe, being as safe as possible, carrying that on, like I'll give you an example. Every Christmas Eve, we have a huge extended family party at my house and we play a giant minute to win it situation. Like we get a bunch of minute to win it games, we split into two teams, etc. It's super fun. Well, we're obviously not going to do that. We're obviously not having all those people, but my, my uh, immediate family, me and my parents, we're going to get some smaller games, some board games, Uno. I bought, uh, I went to five and below, got like three or four games the other day that are just like easy games to play, quick games. And we're just going to have a massive game tournament, just the three of us. And obviously that's not the same, but I think it's really going to bring that sense of normalcy. If you always watch Christmas movies on Christmas Eve, do it. If you always, like I said, eat mac and cheese, eat mac and cheese. Like there's still things you can keep intact. If you always decorate the Christmas tree with, say you decorate the Christmas tree with your entire family and obviously that's not feasible, decorate your own Christmas tree. Have your extended family decorate their own and FaceTime while you do it and watch the same movie, listen to the same music, something like that. So you're just, you still feel like the holidays are as normal as possible. Another idea I have is watching a holiday movie via Netflix party or Zoom. So get your whole family together, get your friend group together, get uh, all your friends from school or work or what have you and watch a a Hallmark movie, watch Elf, watch The Polar Express, watch Santa Claus, Christmas Chronicles, whatever, over Zoom or Netflix party, or even just be on FaceTime and have this start the movie at the same time. Like any of those things, just again, to feel that sense of connection and normalcy. 
Um, this was kind of a fun idea I thought I had. Get matching pajamas with your extended family. Everybody get the same pair of pajamas. Be like, guys, see this Target link? Everybody's going to order the pajamas for their respective families. Great. Okay, everybody has the pajamas. Then you're going to take individual pictures of your immediate family. So, like, me and my parents and then, like, uh, let's say, like, your aunt and uncle and their two kids and, like, uh, your grandma and grandpa and your other aunt and uncle and their two kids, like, whatever. Everybody takes their separate photos and you could put the pictures together, like, via Photoshop or, like, a, a vi- like, literal collage, like, paste the photos on a piece of paper and then you have a giant family photo where everybody's not actually together but you're all wearing the same pajamas and you all look like you're a part of a big family and I think that could be super fun. My family didn't actually do this because now that I think about it I don't think I ever actually mentioned it. It's already December 18th and our Christmas cards have already gone out so I think it's a little too late for that. But I mean maybe next year. I'll, like cross your fingers please this is not still the situation next year but I still think it would be really fun to do in years to come even if like half your family lives on the other side of the country and you're not gonna like you have so many people in so different places you can't all technically get together you could still do that I think that would be a really good idea uh along that same vein send out holiday cards make your Christmas cards I know a lot of people have kind of gotten away from doing Christmas cards because uh it's 2020 and you could just like Instagram the person but I think because everything is so disconnected this year I think that that's just a fun tradition we should carry on. And yes, my family did send out Christmas cards. In case you're wondering, uh, you know the Lay's bags, like the chips? They had like faces on them for like a good portion of this year. And we all got like a face and like put it up against our face and then wrote Happy Hall Lay Days on the card. It was really cute. Just thought you should know. Anyways, uh, make cookies and share them with your neighbors or your family. Again, carefully, like I said earlier with making the food, but just... Bringing people together and cookies are delicious. This was an idea for Thanksgiving, but I'm still going to mention it because in case we're somehow still in this situation again. uh, Take your Black Friday shopping online. I am a huge Black Friday shopper. I love Black Friday shopping, but it's not going to be safe. I mean, obviously it already happens. Like this is kind of in the past, but it wasn't really safe to do like a full-fledged Black Friday situation like I would normally do so I did take a lot of my Black Friday shopping online I did actually go to a couple places in stores that were in like not super busy areas masked on and everything and it was it was okay but um you know just just take this could work not Black Friday anyways take your Christmas shopping online hit up Amazon hit up Etsy small businesses on Etsy like for sure have some fantastic stuff for the holidays I know it's a little late we're like a week away we're a week away from Christmas people this is insane And the last thing I have along with that is meaningful gifts this year. I know that given the circumstances that money might be tight or just material things are not necessarily what people are looking for right now given like how insane everything is. So make a family video or a scrapbook or write a letter or so many different things. You can search up like free meaningful gifts on Google and you will find thousands of options, stuff like that, that doesn't cost a lot of money, doesn't cost any money, and are just more meaningful than like, I got you an Amazon gift card. Like, obviously I love Amazon gift cards. I love getting gift cards. But like something that's just more personal to someone, I think would be really nice given the circumstances. And that is all I have for that first segment. All right, we are jumping in to talking about the morning show, which if you didn't know, 
uh, is on Apple TV. It came out, I believe, like this time last year. But my mom got a new phone or something, and we got like a year free of Apple TV. We hadn't like previously been paying for it because we have like Netflix and Hulu and just about everything else you can have. So with this free year, I was like, dang, I really want to watch The Morning Show. I got really excited about it. I watched it um, maybe about a month ago, and I just haven't had time to like fully review it. I did review it though over on my Instagram shameless plug NYA TV underscore junkie pod I've been very active on there recently with my different weekly segments I pretty much just repost every picture once Stefani posts I mean you know you don't even have to follow her at this point just follow me and you'll see everything she posts I'm just kidding but not really um anyways so I'm finally getting around to talking about it if you didn't know essentially the show is about like a countrywide morning show kind of like Good Morning America where essentially one of the main anchors is accused and fired because of sexual abuse in the workplace it kind of strings along with the Me Too movement and the story follows the show the guy who was fired and the new morning anchors as they try and like pick up the pieces of their show that has been like hugely influenced by these allegations and the firing and everything kind of just like blew up they're trying to keep the show rolling and move on and like deal with everything behind the scenes Uh, overall I really enjoyed it I thought it was really really well done Uh, overall I gave it a nine and a half stars out of ten and the only reason it lost stars was because in my opinion they like unnecessarily used bad language like I don't have a problem with shows like like cursing like absolutely not like even like like the F word and like stuff like that like that doesn't bother me but I felt like it was almost like too much like it wasn't necessary for them to be cursing in that way that like it didn't add to the show so why say it in my opinion like I just feel like like it was rated uh TVMA solely because of the language like other than the like they talked about the sexual abuse and all of that but it wasn't in my opinion like like really graphic in that way like I don't think that that would be a problem for like someone slightly younger I'm like slightly I'm not saying like little kids should be watching this by any means like I would say like like 15 is probably like a fine age for like that aspect but I just felt like the language was like a little bit much I don't know that's just my opinion uh moving on from that but other than that like I like I said I really really enjoyed it I think it was super fun it um it ran like a movie in a way like the I don't know like if you watch it you'll you'll know what I'm talking about but it it runs as though it's a movie but like a really extended movie I believe there are like eight or ten episodes they're all about an hour maybe a little bit over each it is very good Bradley was my favorite character and I really liked um the messages they strung throughout it I think they did a really good job tastefully covering the Me Too movement and kind of showing both sides in a way that wasn't dismissive of the actual core of the movement that's really important to to make sure that message is like there and they're not dismissing that because it's super important right now especially in the world we live in. I thought it was great and like I said it because it ran like a movie it was really easy to one like follow like you didn't feel lost and it was really easy to get into like just right off the bat um I know that a second season is coming I believe it was delayed by COVID thank you so much and uh I did see though that they I believe they are filming right now because I saw on Reese Witherspoon's uh she plays Bradley who is my favorite character I'm not really sure if I said that but uh I meant to I probably did actually 
um, on her Instagram that they are on set right now, obviously as safely as possible, but I'm really excited for that second season to come. I think it was supposed to be here by now, but thanks COVID. Um, all the characters were really interesting and, um, relatable in their own way. I think that Bradley was the most relatable and she was like your everyday person who got thrust into this crazy world and was just like making it work. And I think that that was awesome. And then Alex, obviously, is the other main character. Um, she's great, too. It is, like I said, on Apple TV. And I totally recommend that you watch it. There's my very short synopsis and overview. I, I would highly recommend. I wish I had more to say about it. But since it was only one season, I mean, those are my thoughts. Like, I think you should watch it, like, 100%. And let me know what you think if you do watch it. Alright, moving on to segment three. I'm going to be talking about this fun article I somehow stumbled upon. I don't even remember how I found it, but I've just had it like linked in my podcast information for something I wanted to talk about because I thought it was funny. But um, it is called 20 Problems Only One Tree Hill Fans Can Understand. It is from Hollywood.com. And like I said, I will link it. It is from 2014, so it's pretty old. But like, I don't even care. I thought it was funny. Also, disclaimer, some of the like stuff I'm going to be reading directly from the website does have some curse words in it. So if you are uncomfortable with that or if you are listening near small children, just a warning. I know I like literally just talked about that whole situation in my last segment, but I'm not going to be, I'm just like literally going to be reading it straight from the website. So sorry if that bothers you, but that's just kind of what I'm going to do. So essentially it's just like, saying like random funny obscure things that like if you watch One Tree Hill you'll totally be like yeah that's hilarious if you don't you won't get it if you haven't seen it you might still want to listen to this because I like to think I have some pretty funny commentary so I mean maybe you'll still enjoy it even if you have no idea what I'm talking about but you could like skip this if you're really like Ava I'm really lost then go ahead skip it I'll see you in segment four anyways the first one is when you're trying to join the basketball team but your half brother that lives with your asshole dad who pretends he doesn't who pretends you don't exist is being a total dick, which is very accurate. Um, essentially, at the beginning of the series, uh, Luke wants to join the basketball team, but his half-brother is like, absolutely not. Who He's like the star, and he's like, I don't want Lucas like playing on this team. Like, I'm the star. Like, this is mine. And his dad, Dan, is also horrible. Well, Nathan's not horrible. Just like in the beginning, he's horrible. Dan's horrible the whole time. But Dan is like, absolutely not. Like, this is your thing, Nathan. Like, we can't let Lucas join the basketball team. Eventually, spoiler alert, it's on like the second episode. He joins the basketball team. Number two, when you try to help out a pretty girl and she verbally attacks you, this would be referring to when Lucas was trying to help Peyton in, I think, episode one or two, her car broke down. He like was working for his uncle who owns like the auto shop or whatever he was like gonna tow her car and she was like first of all you don't know me second of all you don't know me he was just trying to help her and she's like absolutely like go away it was really funny number three when you're just trying to tutor someone and they're all like don't say i never gave you anything which essentially Haley was well nathan was trying to get back at lucas for joining the basketball team so he befriended his best friend Haley, who happened to work in the tutor center and was tutoring people and he's like i need a tutor like you have to help me she was like absolutely not and eventually he convinced her to tutor him and she told Lucas, she's like i'm just tutoring him like don't worry i'm just tutoring him and he 
got a box of Cracker Jacks. And, like, you know how they have the little toys inside? There was a little bracelet, like, charm bracelet. It's not a charm bracelet. It's, like, a beaded bracelet with, like, beads. <laughs> it's a beaded bracelet with beads. Fantastic explanation, Ava. It's, it's, it's iconic. If you've seen the show, you know what it, exactly what it is. But he, like, pulled it out of the box as she was tutoring him and was like, don't say I never gave you anything. It, it's iconic if you've seen the show. Number four, when you tell your best friend that you're just tutoring his asshole half-brother but wind up marrying him, which, like I said, same tutor girl and uh, Nathan from the last story. Yeah, she's like, I'm just tutoring him. And she didn't even want to tutor him. And then they fell madly in love and became what the world knows as Naley, a.k.a. my favorite TV couple of all time. That might be a stretch, but I, I really do love Nathan and Haley. And, yeah, she was just tutoring him. Fun fact. Okay, two things, actually. One, my One Tree Hill complete analysis Q&A thing I did with Glee is coming very, very soon. So you'll hear all about this then. Number two, in season one, I was like, Nathan, you are the worst. And Haley deserves so much better. I'm like, absolutely not. Like, they cannot be together. This is horrible. And then uh, they were together, spoiler alert, all nine seasons. And are, like, literally the best. And Nathan becomes, like one of the greatest TV characters of all time. He just really sucked at the beginning. Number five, when you're trying to give the valedictorian speech at your high school graduation, but your water breaks. That one was funny. Um, Haley, now married to Nathan at this point, they got married at 16. It was just like a, a slight thing. But um, yeah, I think, yeah, they were 16. And then she got pregnant in high school, but they were literally already married. So like, they're doing it in the right order, I guess. But she got pregnant her senior year of high school and became valedictorian, hence the whole tutor girl thing. And then her water broke in the middle of her valedictorian speech and they had to leave, which I just thought that was like classic. I actually kind of wanted to hear the rest of her speech, though. And like, I kind of wish that wasn't written in, but it was kind of also awesome in a way. So I'm not mad about it. Number six, when you try to go to your senior prom, but your psycho stalker, psycho stalker that is a tongue twister won't let you essentially Peyton have we talked about Peyton yeah she's the um uh first of all you don't know me second of all you don't know me same girl uh she uh, finds out near the beginning that she's adopted she goes on to find her mom and then finds out she has a brother well she makes the mistake of like broadcasting that on the internet that she has a half brother or whatever and this guy who like is a psycho and I think he just wants to like be with her I don't know I think we do actually find out in the end I think he was like trying to replace someone who died thought they looked like her it was very strange but he just wanted to be with her pretended to be his half-brother her half-brother and was like getting close to her which was like not the creepy part and then he turned like literally psycho Derek his name was Derek he turned psycho on her and like kidnapped her the night of junior prom senior prom and was, like, holding her captive, and then finally, like, other people found out about it and rescued her, and all's well that ends well, but that is the story of Psycho Derek. Number seven, when you picked the boys you want, put them on your door, and then your best friend totally disregards everything. So, essentially, oh my gosh, we have not talked about B. Davis. Okay, so Brooke and Peyton are best friends, and they eventually, Brooke moves in with Peyton because her parents, Brooke's parents were total flakes, and, like, just leave her in the middle of high school like in her house they're like you can just stay here we're gonna like leave like go work we're gonna like flee the country it was very weird but they just left her so Brooke uh, moves in with Peyton and they decide that they're gonna write the boys that they like or like are trying to get with on the doors of Peyton's like uh of her closet they wrote it on the doors and so Brooke had uh 
Lucas under her name, but Peyton also liked Lucas. So Peyton, while Brooke was with him, like kind of made Lucas cheat on Brooke and they got together. And so Brooke was like, he was on the door under my name. So that was kind of that. Yeah. Oh yeah. Here's the quote. He's on the door, Peyton. He's on the damn door under me. That, there's the quote I saw it on the, the website. Number eight. When you love a guy and want your best friend to be happy for you, but they love him too, and then things get real complicated. That's the, the, the same story I just explained with Brooke and Peyton. They both like the same guy, and things go back and forth for, like, what seems like years. It, pro- it was literally, like, in, like, TV time, it was, like, three years of their lives. They went back and forth. Uh, Luke was with Peyton. Luke was with Brooke. Then Peyton took Luke while he was still with Brooke and then he got back together with Brooke and then the same thing happened with Peyton over again and we kind of spiraled like that for a couple years. Number nine, when you're trying to get a heart transplant but a dog steals and eats your new heart. That's a, that's a fun one. See, like, these are so obscure but, like, I like them because I've seen the show. But essentially, Dan, the horrible guy we were talking about earlier, uh, like, near the middle of this show, just figures out he needs a heart transplant or something and he finally gets the heart transplant but like in the hospital the guy delivering it trips and like the heart goes flying and the there's like a dog that eats it it's it's super weird like I feel like they could have come up with a better reason why this this was like attempt number two I don't remember what happened with the first heart it wasn't like as dramatic it was like something that literally could have happened but um like someone else got the heart but um like, I think they could have come up with something a little more realistic than, like, the guy trips, the heart flies, the dog eats the heart. Like, I think there would have been a little more protection where that couldn't have happened, given that this is, like, <laughs> life-saving here. But, you know what? It was, it was funny. It was comedic. And no one likes Dan, so whatever. Number 10, when you're... I really need to, like, speed this up. Number 10, when you're just trying to casually attend a wedding but get kidnapped by your crazy nanny. Yeah, that happened too. Uh, we got Psycho Derek and then um, Nanny Carrie. She was also insane. She essentially uh, was the nanny for uh, Nathan and Haley in the later seasons after they graduated college. Nathan was trying to become a professional basketball player. Haley was teaching English. And um, where was I going with this? Oh, Nanny Carrie. They hired her. And first of all, she caused a heck of a lot of trouble because she was trying to hit on Nathan and, like, push Haley out. And that, that didn't go over well. Nathan was like, absolutely not. So then she left. And then she kidnapped their son, Jamie, while at a wedding. And then Dan, luckily, this was a good move by Dan. Dan saved Jamie. But, like, it was really insane. And then, like, later on in the series, Nanny Carrie kidnapped Dan. <laughs> To, like, try and lure Jamie in and then, like, re-kidnap Jamie. I don't know. Well, actually, she had a son about Jamie's age who died. And that's, like, what she was trying to do. But, like, still, like, what the heck? It was very, very strange. She was a psychopath. But, yeah. So, she kidnapped him at a wedding. Number 11. When you decide it's a good idea to marry one of the three girls you've loved, call them and ask them to meet you at the airport so you can fly to Vegas. This is Lucas again with his uh, three loves of Peyton, Brooke, and uh, Lindsay, who comes in later in the season. So she's, like, less important, but she's still there. They almost got married. Actually, they were, like, literally, like, at the wedding when when things fell apart. But, yeah, he was, like, at the end of, like, one of the seasons. Or maybe it was just, like, like a mid-season or something like that. But he, was, he, like, you don't see who he's talking to. But he, like, picks up the phone and he's like, hey, want to meet? I'm at a such-and-such airport. Do you want to meet me and go to Vegas and get married? And uh, it turns out it was Peyton. And she's like, heck yes, bro. And they just, like pack up and go to Vegas to like get married they don't actually end up getting married in Vegas 
But uh, they come back and get married. So long story short, he ends up with Peyton. Number 12, when you think it's a good idea to get married in high school and then are shocked when things don't work out perfectly. And then there's a, a the little quote here, and I think it's funny. Nathan says, I need to be tutored. Ha- oh, I think I need, I need to be tutored. I think I'm failing marriage. And Haley says, did you try sleeping with the teacher, a.k.a. her? Pretty funny. Um, yeah, they literally got married junior year of high school and were like, this is going to work out great. And actually, long story short, it did work out great. There were some rough patches. Haley decided she was just going to pack up and leave in the middle of high school and go on tour. But, like, other than that, it, it pretty much worked out pretty well for them. And, like, I want that kind of love. I mean, not, I mean, I'm already pretty much out of high school. I have a semester left, so I don't think I'll be getting married anytime soon. But, I mean, eventually I want a Nathan and Haley love. Thirteen, when you decide you want to be friends with people and they decide to always leave. Peyton's quote for the first probably four seasons was people always leave because the people she cared about literally tended to just like always leave. But by the end, she realized that people always leave, but sometimes they come back. And I mean, it was kind of true. Everyone Peyton got close to at the beginning literally just like left. It was very strange, but poor Peyton. It's okay. Uh, It worked out for her. Number 14, when you're just trying to have a nice day on the beach, but someone tries to baptize you. Essentially, this is Clay. I'm not 100% sure why Dan, same heart guy, he ended up getting a heart, long story, after the dog ate the second one. But um, I think Dan was mad at Clay because Clay was supposed to go in place of Nathan on this trip and then Nathan ended up getting kidnapped so Dan's like really peeved at Clay and Clay's just like walking along the beach and Dan like grabs him and like throws him in the water and like keeps like dunking him uh, like above and under the water like numerous times it was pretty funny Clay was fine so it was really funny number 15 when you were (laughs) Sorry, number 15, when you were always trying to be a really diligent student, but your sisters were secretly getting you high. That's another funny story. This is Haley again, Tudor girl. She found out maybe in like season, I think it was like season seven or eight, that um, her older sisters, Taylor and Quinn, were putting like pot in her brownies, like very little amounts were like putting pot in the brownies they made her when she was in high school. And she was like, wait, what? Like, I didn't know this was going on. It was really funny. She was, they were like, you were so stressed about school all the time. We just wanted to, like, help. But, like, putting pot in your 17-year-old little sister's brownies is probably not the way to help. But you know what? It's okay. Number 16, when you're trying to have a normal relationship with your boyfriend, but then the stalker that looks like his dead wife decides to shoot you. This is another, I think this is the third, like, creepy stalkerish incident in One Tree Hill. This is, like, I believe the last one. It's towards the end of the story. Hold on, my phone is ringing. I literally feel like I cannot get through a podcast episode without having my phone ring, someone ring the doorbell, some sort of, like, obnoxious, like, sidetrack. I don't know, my phone was ringing, and I film with my mic on my phone, so I can't, obviously, answer the phone and film at the same time. So, I am back. I was talking about number 16, which I guess I'll just read it again, even though you just heard it. (laughs) When you're trying to have a normal relationship with your boyfriend, but then the stalker that looks like his dead wife decides to shoot you. Like I said, there's many stalkery, psycho incidents, but essentially, um, Clay and Quinn. Clay uh, had a wife, like, years uh, in the past, but she died, and this other woman who was like a tennis player they like somehow connected with clay because he's an agent and was like oh my gosh like i freakishly look like your ex-wife like she found that out like via the internet 
and then uh she decided she wanted to be with clay because of this i don't know it was like very strange and then um clay was like absolutely not like i'm dating quinn like i'm in love with quinn like this is not gonna happen so then uh psycho lady i believe her name was katie i think it was katie was like i'm just gonna shoot both of them out of nowhere which like i think it was like season seven i think it was season seven just like ended with both of them being shot and like fade to black and i i'm obviously watching it have watched it later than when it actually aired so I didn't have to wait like whatever six months to see the next season but I was like what the heck like that's how you end it like imagine watching it the first time and having to wait six months to find out if these people are even alive so yeah they both just get shot by her for like absolutely no reason I'm like what like that doesn't even make sense I don't know how that would that would like come to fruition for her goal to like be with Clay so let's just shoot both of them like I I don't understand how that would have helped anything in like it was horrible obviously luckily they both lived so that was very good news and then in the end um Quinn shoots Katie like many like half a season later they like find each other again and she they both end up fine once again but Katie ends up in jail so I and how did they not find her like after they like explained who it was who shot them and the police were like yeah we can't find her like what what do you mean <laughs> I don't understand like the, the internet is a thing like I feel like she should be easier to find given that they knew exactly who did it but like apparently they never found her and then they eventually did find her but yeah that's just a, a long-winded explanation number 17 when you're trying to enjoy your wedding day but the limo flips over a bridge side note I'm pretty sure two cars slipped over the exact same bridge in Tree Hill. Like, what are the chances that, like, four seasons apart, so, like, four years apart, two different cars in two different situations flip over the same bridge? Like, I think the bridge needs to be removed. I think the bridge is the problem. Like, I don't understand. But, essentially, um, Nathan and Haley, after they, uh, renewed their vows, so, I was gonna say got married a second time, but they were never really, like, technically not together, so they just, like, renewed their vows, So, they were driving another car because, um, Rachel and it was Nathan's uncle whose name I don't remember. Yeah, I don't remember his name. But, um, they had, like, stolen the limo. Not really stolen, but they, like, went for a drive in the limo. And then Nathan and Haley were, like, gonna go on their honeymoon. And Lucas was like, yeah, I don't know what happened to the limo. So, you're just gonna take this car. And they were like, yeah, cool. They're driving down the road coming, like, one way. And Rachel and the uncle are coming the other way. And Nathan and Haley are driving like normal people. And Rachel and the uncle were in like some massive fight. And she like yanks the wheel from him. And they go flying like into the lane, like oncoming traffic of Nathan and Haley. And so Nathan like swerves. And then Rachel and the uncle swerve. And Rachel and the uncle go flying over the side of the bridge in this limo. And then Nathan's like, Haley, call 911. And then jumps in the river after them and you're like what what that is not a good plan luckily everyone ended up okay from that situation like you would not think that that would end up well but like everyone ended up okay and I don't think we ever saw the uncle again and we didn't see Rachel again for a very long time but she came back don't worry but yeah that was interesting and the second time I'll just tell you this story because we're talking about the bridge the second time it was like a really bad rainstorm and one of Jamie Nathan and Haley's son's teachers were like driving some of the kids home from a spelling bee it was uh madison and chuck and uh jamie and then the teacher miss lauren they were driving and they got in like an accident they just like kind of flipped everyone was fine but brooke 
uh, like, ran into them, not, like, literally ran into them, but, like, was driving and was like, oh, my goodness, Jamie, why are you in the middle of the road? And they got out, and she was, like, trying to get everybody out of the car that was, like, stuck, and so she couldn't get Jamie out of the car. And so she was, like, working on getting Jamie out of the car, and then another car came and hit their car, so the car that she was trying to get Jamie out of, they were both, like, in the car trying to get him out, then flipped over the exact same bridge into the same river and you're like the bridge needs to be removed at this point like that's that's too many times a bridge has flipped or a car has flipped over this bridge into the river they also both ended up okay so everybody who flipped over the bridge did end up okay but I think the bridge needs to be removed anyway moving on I've been talking about these like two for like five minutes I need to like wrap it up Number 18, when you can't understand why your dad is weirded out that your nanny Deb is dating your uncle Skills. So, essentially, uh, Skills is one of the main characters, more more so towards the beginning of the show. He's the same age as Nathan and Haley, Brooke and Peyton, Lucas, all of them. So, he's, like, the same age as them. And then uh, Nathan's mom is Deb. And so, that's Jamie's, like, grandma. And then Jamie's uncle, not really his uncle, but, like, you know, just, like, the age of, like, being his uncle the same uh, age as Nathan and Haley, and um, Nanny Deb and Uncle Skills fall in love, and Jamie's like, I don't understand, like, why this is weird. He says, I like Nanny Deb, and I like Uncle Skills, so what if they like each other? And Nathan's like, it's a little more complicated than that. Nanny Deb is also my mom. And Jamie says, yeah, but I let you kiss my mom. And then Nathan's like, eat your soup. Like, whatever. It's just so funny because that's such, like, a kid thing to, like, not understand why that would be weird when, like, your really good friend is dating your mom. Like, that's super strange. But Jamie's, like, so young and he's like, I don't see anything wrong with this. I love both of them. Why can't they love each other? Like, I don't understand. But, uh, they did not end up together. Spoiler alert. Number 19. When you totally forget you have a kid and your kid is like, WTF are you talking about, Dad? So, essentially, back to Clay, he, in season nine, starts having this, like, situation where he sleepwalks or, like, gets up and, like, he'll wind up at the park or, like, in the middle of the road or, like, one time Brooke was driving and, like, in the middle of the night and Clay just, like, walked in front of her and she's like, Clay, like, what are you doing? And he's, like, totally asleep and, like, out of it and it's no idea. And she's like, Clay, Clay, hello. And then, so, he gets checked into, like, a like a mens- mental institute, I guess you would, like, best describe it, because they were, like, something is, like, seriously wrong with you, dude, we have to figure this out, and the psychiatrist is, like, trying to get him to realize that when his wife died the- so many years ago, they had a newborn baby, and because he was so, like, um, like, destroyed over the fact that his wife just, like, randomly passed away, that he, like, completely blocked out the fact that he even had a son, and so the psychiatrist was trying to, like, get him to, like, remember the fact that he literally has a son, and it was, it was interesting. I don't know, like, if that's, like, I'm sure that's psychologically plausible. I'm, like, 100% sure that could actually happen, but I think that it was just, like, kind of an interesting storyline on the part of One Tree Hill, but, like, I didn't mind it. And lastly, at number 20, when you are just trying to come home to your wife and kids and you get kidnapped, this was the very last major storyline number, or er, in season nine, um, essentially, Nathan was helping Clay with his, um, agency, like, sports agency, and because Clay was having the, like, weird things with his sleeping and, like, walking around, he was like, I can't go to Europe and, like, do this, like, agency scouting and stuff, and so Nathan's like, okay, I'll go. So he goes and somehow gets wrapped up in, like, this, like, these creepy guys who are, like, angry because he's trying to recruit this basketball player from some 
other country in Europe, I don't remember what country it was, but they essentially, once he gets back to Tree Hill, like, kidnap him and keep him in, like, I don't know if it was, like, an abandoned, like, house or whatever, like, in a basement, something like that, and they keep him there for, like, literally, like, the entire season. He, like, tries to get out. Everything's crazy. In the end, he gets saved. He lives, but, like, Haley's all, like, distraught, obviously, and then she decides to partner with Dan to try and help find him, and everybody's, like, putting their heads together, like, where the heck is he? I think it was insane that Dan ended up finding him, given, like, he had, like, a video that he sent Jamie, and, like, Dan used, like, the picture, like, the the graffiti on the back of the wall to, like, find these guys. It was, like, insane, but he, he lived, so it was all good, I guess. That is... The 20 problems only One Tree Hill fans can understand. Like I said, I will link the article in the description. While I'm on this vein, I said earlier I had like kind of a smaller side topic I wanted to talk about. So I'm just going to talk about those few things. First of all, I watched The Grinch, the musical. I have some thoughts. I don't know, like, it just wasn't as good as I expected it to be. I love The Grinch. And I love musicals, so I thought, Grinch the musical, this is like my cup of tea, I'm super jazzed, like this is going to be great, right? It wasn't that it was bad, or like, I don't, I don't know how to describe it. It, it. The material was like odd. The whole first like 15 minutes, I was like, what on earth is going on? And then there was like a five minute song with the dog, like the dog as a baby, and then the dog growing up, and then the dog when the Grinch story took place and then the old dog who was subsequently telling the story but it was like super strange because for the first like 45 minutes of this musical I didn't understand why there were two dogs but one dog was telling the story about himself in his younger days of like he was looking back on this story and it was from the dog's point of view which was like very strange I'm like I don't understand why they did that like that's not how the normal movie goes it's not from the dog's point of view like it was very very strange I thought that the cast was great I thought that Matthew Morrison did a great job I think even though the guy the dog was super strange I think the guy who played the dog was really great and I think that all the kids were really great and I think that the songs were good I just think it was like kind of strangely put together and I wasn't, I thought I would like it a lot more, so I don't know. I mean, is it worth your time to watch it? You decide that for yourself, but I don't know. I, I would not, I'd give it, like, six stars out of ten. I don't know. I mean, that's, like, like honestly the highest I think I could rate it, because it was just a little bit strange. The next thing is I watched the movie version of The Prom, the musical. I loved this, first of all. I think that it got a lot of hate for some reason. I don't know. I mean, I kind of know why, but, like, I'm not going to get into it because it's, like, a really complicated, like, topic and I don't want to talk about that right now. But it got a lot of hate and I really liked it. I thought it was really well done. I thought the characters were all good. It had, like, a star-studded cast. I mean, uh, Nicole Kidman, um, James Corden, Meryl Streep. I think everybody was fantastic. I think the songs were really well done. I think the plot was really well done. I don't know. I like, I genuinely really enjoyed it. And I think that you 100% should watch it. 10 out of 10 stars. We're going up here. And the other thing I wanted to talk about is not at all a musical, but I just thought I would talk about it anyways. I watched um, Same Time Last Christmas, which was Leah Michelle's Hallmark movie. It's not a Hallmark movie. It's like a... It's a Hallmark-esque movie, but it was on, like, ABC last year. It was from last year, but it was on Hulu this year, and I was like, I'm totally gonna watch this. I love Leah Michelle, right? So, it was super good. Again, 10 out of 10 stars, but one thing I just wanted to say was half- one of the guys 
in the movie was or in yeah I guess it was a movie I was like where do I know this guy from like I could not put my finger on it. I was like I recognize him I don't know where it's from like who is this guy and for some reason all I could think of was he's from The Bachelor which I was like that's not right but he looks like he's from The Bachelor it clicked it's Jake from One Tree Hill like if you've seen One Tree Hill which is like what I just spent the last 20 minutes talking about it's freaking Jake I was like oh my gosh it's Jake I got really excited I don't know I mean that's like nobody else probably even noticed that but other than that, I think the movie was super cute. It was very Hallmark-esque, like I said, but I think it w- it went deeper than that in a way that most Hallmark movies are very surface level. I think, like, it was still super, sur- super surface level and predictable, but it was less predictable than a Hallmark movie, which I think was kind of nice. I don't know. I really enjoyed it. And those were the three random things I just wanted to throw in there and talk about. Alright, let's jump into my last topic of the episode. I am talking about my 2020 Spotify wrapped. I'm just going to read the like slides or whatever that they gave me in my Spotify wrapped and I'm going to talk about any memorable songs that were in my top 100. I'm not going to talk about all 100 songs. I feel like that would last an eternity and I feel like this episode is already long enough since I talked about One True Hill for way longer than I needed to given this article. So anyway, the first slide, well, I don't know if this was exactly the first slide, but this is the first one I have pulled up, is I listened to 106 genres this year, including 22 new ones, which I'm going to be 100% honest with you. I don't know um, that there was this many genres, like, and I saw in other people's stories that they, like, had even more, like, twice as many, three times as many genres, and I'm like, what, like, what are we consecuting, like, consecuting? Consecuting? Consequeting? Something like that. Oh, uh, what are we constituting? Oh my goodness, that's what I was looking for. What are we constituting as a genre here? Like, I, like, don't know. Are they splitting it into, like, micro-genres? Obviously, because 106 is more than, like, the basic genres. I discovered 158 artists this year. So, that is just an interesting factoid. Uh, my top genres were contemporary country was number one, number two was show tunes, number three was contemporary Christian, number four was pop, and number five was movie tunes. I'm not sure I, that I even listened to that many movie tunes, so I don't know if like some of the show tunes were considered movie tunes. Like I'm not really sure, like I don't know, because I don't feel like I listened to a lot of movie tunes, but apparently I did. Uh, my top song of the year was Homecoming Queen by Kelsey Ballerini, which I, to be completely honest with you, didn't even realize I, like, listened to that much, but I listened to it 89 times, which I think is not even that many, but, like, I guess that's a lot. I'm just, I'm actually, like, genuinely surprised by that. Um, my top songs, like I said, my top one was Homecoming Queen, Kelsey Ballerini. Number two was Funeral, Leanna Crawford, which, fun fact, I saw Leanna Crawford in concert, um, maybe two years ago, or no, yeah, it was March, not this March, but one year before, so March 2019, I saw her in concert, she opened for Matthew West, and I think that's why, like, her songs were just, like, on my brain. I've been following her ever since I saw her in concert, and I think that's probably why, like, she's up there. I just, like, got really into her songs for a while. Number three was First Last Name, Madison Kozak, which apparently, artists I see in concert, I'm, like, ten times more likely to listen to their music, apparently. Um, I saw her in concert in June of 2019. She 
um, opened for Keith Urban uh, when I was in Nashville, and that was like an amazing trip. Uh, we went to it was like at the uh, the Ryman Center. It was some like charity benefit concert. It had like a bunch of people, but we paid like a standard fee, so like it was like thirty bucks a ticket or something just for like this charity, and you didn't know who you were seeing. And she opened for Keith Urban, and then there were some songwriters who were there who sang, and the Yodel guy, the Yodel kid from Walmart, he also opened for Keith Urban, which I thought was just really funny because like I didn't know he could actually sing, but he can. Number four is Walking Miracles by Matthew West, who like I said, I've seen him in concert. Uh, multiple times. I've seen him, I saw him in March 2019, like, or like I said, and then I think I've seen him maybe two other times, at least one other time. And number five is Truth I'm Standing On, also by Leanna Crawford. I don't know, I was like really into her this year. I'm not quite sure why, but apparently I was like super into her. I don't know, man. Uh, my next thing was I Listened to Funeral, which is one of my top songs by Leanna Crawford, before it hit 50,000 streams. So, Apparently, I, I mean, like I said, I've been following her since I saw her in concert, so I'm pretty sure I listened to the song right when it came out. My top decade was the early 2000s, and my top song from this time was Five More Minutes by Granger Smith, which I don't even realize was, I'm pretty sure that was earlier than the, or later than the early 2000s, but whatever. That's very accurate. I did listen to a lot of 2000s music. I feel like this is slightly embarrassing, but my top artist was in fact the Glee cast. And what's even more embarrassing, in my opinion, is that I didn't watch Glee until the summer, so I only started listening to Glee cast music over the summer. So it was only the last six months, and I still listened to the Glee cast more than anybody else by a significant margin. And I was in the top 0.5% of their listeners this year, so you know, you know what? I think I killed it. Just saying, just saying. Um, my favorite song by the Glee cast was It Gives You Hell. I'm honestly shocked by that. Like, I really did not feel like I listened to It Gives You Hell that much, but apparently I did. And I spent 6,773 minutes listening to Glee music. <laughs> like, guys, that's, I feel like that's embarrassing. Like, definitely. But you know what? I, I enjoyed it. So, like, uh, you do you. I'm just, I'm just gonna go with it. Uh, my top five artists, like I said, number one was the Glee cast. Number two was Kelsey Ballerini, probably because I apparently had a thing with, uh, with that, uh, Homecoming Queen song. Number three was Leanna Crawford. Number four was Lauren Elena, who, fun fact, I did not see in concert, but my dad did. I'm still very jealous about that, but I love, love, love Lauren Elena, so I guess I was just, like, really listening to her music. And number five was Matthew West, who I talked about earlier. I listened to 570 artists this year, which seems like a lot, but, you know, maybe not. Um, I listened to a total of 3,000 or no, 38,315 minutes of music, which I feel like is definitely a lot, but I, I don't know. I think I'm gonna, I think I'm gonna do better next year. I think I'm gonna listen to even more music. Like, I don't know if that's considered better. Like, maybe, maybe not. But I mean, I'm gonna listen to as much music as humanly possible because I love music. And I just have to say, I'm thoroughly shocked that Gwen Stefani and or Taylor Swift was not in my top five because Taylor Swift released Folklore in the time that was counted for this Spotify wrapped and I feel like I listened to a lot of Folklore 
but maybe not enough. I know Betty was in my top 100, like, pretty high up there. It was probably in my top 10. It just, like, didn't make it into the top five, probably because it came out later in the year, but I don't know. I mean, I really, I really enjoyed that album, so I'm really surprised, and Gwen Stefani should be in my top in my top five. I know that last year, 2019, they did, um, like, an artist of the decade, and Gwen Stefani was my artist of the decade. Like, I listened to her the most from the last, like, five years, but apparently I just, like, was not listening to a ton of Gwen Stefani. I know she didn't release any new music, like, you know, in that time, so maybe that was, like, the thing is that I wasn't just, like, I was focusing more on new music and not listening to a lot of Gwen Stefani, even though I listened to a crap ton of Glee cast, which clearly did not release new music, but the music was, like, new to me, I guess, which is, like, weird, but I, I never had, like, thoroughly watched the show until this summer during qu- quarantine. I was gonna say, like, mix coronacation and quarantine together, and it just, like, did not happen, so. Uh, I already talked about a lot of these, so I'm just gonna, like, hit some, um, some highlights in my top songs that I haven't already talked about. Um, really high up there in my top 10 was When He Sees Me from Waitress, which I thought was hilarious. I really did, like, have a thing for that song at the end of 2020. I loved it from Waitress. It's so good. Um, I have another Kelsey Ballerini song also in my top 10, which is Overshare, which honestly, go listen to Kelsey Ballerini Overshare. Even if you don't like country music, do it because I've never related to a song more in my entire life. So just go listen to it. Also, um, in my top 10 was Jersey on the Wall, I'm Just Asking by Tennille Towns. Also a fantastic song. Again, even if you don't like country music, go listen to it. It's fantastic. And my last one in my top 10 was What I'm Leaving For, um, uh, Lady Antebellum, or now known as Lady A, another fantastic song. The reason I think I became so obsessed with this song is in the first, like, whatever, like, couple lines, it says, uh, Disney World trip next summer, and I'm going to Disney World next summer, uh, like, this summer, I guess, uh, 2021, cross your fingers for me, like, obviously, like, if COVID is all okay, I'm going, um, so I think I just, like, obsessed with this song because of that line, but it, uh, I, like, genuinely, it's, like, a fantastic song, uh, also up there was Brave by Sarah Bareilles, it's, like, one of my favorite songs of all time, um, also is Maybe from Annie, opening up from Waitress, um, Alyssa Green from The Prom. This was another great one I think is gravely underrated. You should go listen to it. It is Small Town Hypocrite by Kaylee Hammock. Um, let's see. Uh, I listened to Dead Mom a lot from Beetlejuice. Um, another great one is First Man, Camille Cabello. She sang that at the Grammys, I believe, at the beginning of the year. I loved it. Um, You Should Be Sad is my favorite Halsey song uh, of the time. Um, I also listened to The Negative a lot from Waitress. I loved Waitress at the end of the year. Like, I was just listening to the soundtrack nonstop. Clearly, anybody have a map, dear Evan Hansen? Um, let's see. I have Mother Knows Best from Tangled up there, which I think is funny. Um, I have, um, American Pie, you know, the very popular song, but not like, you know, the regular. Uh, the version from the cast of Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist which I don't know, like, I love the song, first of all, but I just love the way they did it. Like, there were so many different voices. I don't, I, like, literally loved it. It is definitely up there. Um, oh my god, you guys, from Legally Blonde, 
Um, I have the Disney Villains Melody, which if you haven't listened to Magically Legendary Covers Volume 1 by Peter Hollins, you have to. It's fantastic. He has some great like melodies and fun Disney stuff. The Disney Villains Melody is my favorite. It was the top, like the closest to the top of the songs from that album on here. Um, I have, uh, I love The Bones by Maren Morris. I have Candy Store from Heather's. Um, 929 by Halsey is another really great one. Um, I have Killer Instinct from Bring It On. I have the Disney Sidekicks melody from that same Magically Legendary album. You really should go listen to that. Like, I cannot stress it enough, especially if you're a huge Disney fan, Broadway fan, like, all of that. Uh, when It Rains It Pours, Luke Combs was another one I really enjoyed this year. This is a huge throwback, but, uh, Ironic Alanis Morissette was a huge one I loved. Um, let's see. I have, this is, like, a huge throwback. I try to think about Elvis, Patty Loveless. I don't know. I just, like, really loved this song this year. I have, obviously, Don't Rain On My Parade, Barbara Streisand, Aaron Burser, uh, from Hamilton, which apparently was my favorite song this year from Hamilton. Um, I have another version of Maybe from Annie, so I have the original Broadway cast one on here and the movie one on here, so just saying. Um, Alive Right Now by Brad Paisley is another fantastic song that even if you don't like country music, you need to go listen to. Um, I have 10,000 Hours, Dan and Shay and Justin Bieber, She Used to Be Mine from, uh, I have the Sarah Bareilles version, but I also have the version from Waitress, so clearly I also really loved to that um I have love thy neighbor from the prom I have um seven things by Miley Cyrus from her Hannah Montana days I don't know I was just like really into that song this year um the other side by Lauren Elena is really fantastic again you should go listen to that revenge party from mean girls I have little miss perfect by Taylor Louderman um, Champagne Night, Lady Annabellum is really good. I have Where Do You Belong from Mean Girls. I have another Alanis Morissette song, Hand in My Pocket. Um, I Just Can't Wait to Be King from The Lion King. Uh, I've Got a Dream from Tangled. The Skylar Sisters from Hamilton. Um, I have the other version of She Used to Be Mine that I talked about. And my last one, so number 100, is If I Could Tell Her from Dear Evan Hansen. I didn't talk about all 100 songs. I kind of just, like, skipped through. But those are, that is my Spotify wrapped. That is how my year went in music overall. I mean, I'm still, like, thoroughly shocked that more Taylor Swift and Orgon Stefani was not on the list. But you know what? Maybe it was just not, it was not their year in my life. But but I feel like I'm back. I've been listening to a ton of Gwen Stefani recently, so I feel like, I feel like she definitely has to be, like, pushing it in for next year, and she has a new album coming. She released a new single, Let Me Reintroduce Myself, which 100%, if it was released early enough for the Spotify rap, would be on my top 100, and I'm pretty sure a new album is coming, so I am really, really excited about that, but that's, that is all I have for you guys in this episode. Now that I've talked your ear off, I was just so happy to get back to another four-segment episode. I haven't filmed one in what feels like forever. Just a little sneak peek into what is coming next. I just finished Gossip Girl, so I will be doing my Gossip Girl review. I have some mixed feelings on it, which I think are really interesting, and I think you will definitely want to hear and you probably won't agree with, but I'm going to tell them anyway. Um, I'm not thinking that I'm going to do an entire Q&A recap, 
because those do take like an immense amount of work and I've been working on mine for One Tree Hill for quite a while now so I think I'm gonna put Gossip Girl in front of One Tree Hill because I just finished it but I'm gonna do less of a full-blown review and just kind of speed review it because I have a lot of thoughts I just want to talk about the beginning then I'll answer some of the questions I normally ask in my giant reviews um I'm going to recap slash talk about this season of Amazing Race since I was gonna talk about it every week and then like every quarter and then it never happened and here we are, it is over, but I'm definitely going to release an episode about that, and I'm going to release an episode about The Voice, so those are what you guys can be looking forward to. If you don't already, follow me on Instagram at nyatv underscore junkie pod for all the updates, all the things you need to know. You will never be out of the loop if you follow me on there, plus I feel like I do uh, post some fun stuff that you'd be interested in seeing, so go ahead and follow me over there. Anyways, thank you guys so much for watching, listening. I feel like I've been talking forever and I feel like I'm talking super, super fast. Okay. Anyways, I love you guys. Bye.